0: Have any of you ever heard those wonderful documentaries on TV that ask a question and then they go searching for the answer? Who killed Jesus? Was it the Sanhedrin? Caiaphas and the rest of the Sanhedrin absolutely hated Jesus. They wanted him dead. Caiaphas himself even said that it was better for one man to die to save the entire nation. So, killing Jesus was paramount to him to save the nation. What had Jesus done to deserve this? He had fulfilled prophecy. He had entered Jerusalem on a colt, on a foal, and he had crowds praising him. And then he entered the temple and threw over the money changers' tables and got rid of all the animals inside of the temple. And they were very angry because that was how they made their money. So Jesus was an obstacle to having nice fat wallets for the Sanhedrin. What else did the Sanhedrin, the rabbis, the scribes, hated Jesus because he was showing them their inaptitude Jesus spoke with authority they did not speak with authority they claimed to follow Moses but in reality they were not in the trial of Jesus they did it in the middle of the night which was not according to the law of Moses Moses said that it needed to be in the daytime it needed to be out in the open the witnesses that came forward did not agree with one another. It was just a kangaroo court. What they did to Jesus that night. It was a pilot and the Romans that killed Jesus. Pilot had at least 6,000 soldiers at his disposal. At any time, he'd give a command and they would all stand to attention and do whatever it is that they were told to do. He was a powerful man. Did he kill Jesus? he washed his hands and he said I am innocent of this man's blood it amazes me that the crowd cried out his blood be on us and on our children what did Jesus' blood contain on the cross the sin of every human being from Adam and Eve right up until his second coming that is a lot of sin that is a lot of problems that they claimed that they could take upon themselves which of course they couldn't handle but the Roman soldiers treated Jesus so cruelly they spat on him they smashed a crown of thorns on his head they put a royal robe on him and made fun of him they hit him and after they blindfolded him and said who hit you? They were absolutely horrible to him. They nailed him to a cross. Absolutely the most torturous thing that could happen to a human being. Did they kill Jesus? Our verse that Merrill read to us today gives us the answer Satan himself could not kill Jesus. No one could kill Jesus. He was the I Am. He was God Almighty. You can't kill God Almighty. No matter how much you want to, no matter how much you hate him, no matter what you try to do, you cannot kill God. So, as I have been studying about some of Jesus' I Am statements, I came to the I thought the first one, let's start off light and kind of warm and fuzzy and, you know, nice. <laughs> no. This Jesus connects being the good shepherd with giving up his life. He connects it with something horrible. I like to think of the good shepherd, you know, King David caring for his sheep, playing the harp. So beautiful, so peaceful. But what Jesus is saying here is the clash of the cymbals, the violins going fast, the bass, the, all the instruments clashing with one another. This is very uh, tumultuous. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. He was willing to give his life. In the parable that Jesus told of the shepherd going out to find his one lost sheep, Jesus was willing to give his life for just one lost sheep. His life for just me, just for you. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I mean, they're not his. He didn't have to put forth any effort, kind of like uh, somebody working at McDonald's, flipping the burgers, you know. It's not the job you want. (laughs) It's not a long-term thing that you think, you know, this is my career. Uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. Jesus knows you better than even you know yourself. He knows how many hairs you have. Does anybody here know how many hairs they have? Not me. I don't. I don't have a clue. <laughs> I know it changes every day because <laughs> my bald spot's growing. <laughs> but Jesus knows every intimate detail about me. Every, where every cell is, what every atom is doing in me, blows my mind. Jesus knows me. And he wants me to know him. How is it I can know Jesus? We have this wonderful Bible. We have nature. We have the opportunity to talk to God, to pray, to get to know him, to fellowship with fellow believers, to get to know them better. And as we get to know one another better, we get to know Jesus better too because... We're all on the same road. And where are we headed? The New Jerusalem. Okay, did I read verse 14? Yes, I just did. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I laid down my life for the sheep. Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were just as close to one another, as is possible for any three beings to be, they are called three in one. They knew each other so very well and loved each other so very, very much. Again, Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Did I kill Jesus? Did you kill Jesus? Jesus died for me, for my sins, but not even me or you killed Jesus. Jesus lay down his life for us. And other sheep I have which are not in this fold, them I must also bring and they shall hear my voice and shall be one fold and one shepherd. Have you ever seen a video or a picture of the shepherds over in the Middle East? They walk in front and the sheep all come behind. I've seen so many North American shepherds, they're at the back pushing the sheep on ahead. Uh, it's a totally different relationship with Jesus up in the front. Sheep are not very clever. Sheep are followers. But boy, are they stubborn and difficult to deal with. There's not much upstairs. (laughs) And uh, we're always trying to get away with something. But the shepherd up at the front, sometimes we get discouraged with each other. I know if I was a sheep and I'm just following along the rear end of the sheep in front of me, (laughs) I'm not... (laughs) I'm not going to be very happy about that. Sometimes I need to stop, and I say, "Am I still following the shepherd?" I got to look up over the guy in front of me's shoulders. See, yeah, there's Jesus. We're, in, we're on the right way. That's so important because what is our default? If we're left alone and we say, "I'm not going to decide today. Uh, I don't need to follow Jesus today. I'll wait till tomorrow," what's the default? Is the default still good? Is it still getting closer to Jesus? No. Our default is to the bad. It's to sin. That is where we go if we do not deliberately choose to follow Jesus. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Sunday morning, an amazing thing happened. The angel proclaimed outside the tomb, Son of God, thy father calleth thee. Who raised Jesus? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, the angel, or Jesus. Jesus himself here says, I lay down my life that I might take it again. Jesus had all of the power. He was God. He was the great I am. When Jesus said, I am, and then finished it with the light of the world, the resurrection, the good shepherd, he was proclaiming to everyone who heard him, I am God Jehovah. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No man taketh it from me, Rome couldn't. The Jewish leadership couldn't. Satan couldn't. But I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father. That so amazes me. Like I've, I've read this so many times, but uh, it really jumped out at me this time that Jesus laid down his life and took it again. Sister White says, no one of the angels could become a substitute and surety for the human race, for their life is God's. They could not surrender it, only Christ alone. The human family depended for their existence. He is eternal, self-existent. Nobody made God. God always was, always is, and always will be. We cannot fathom that because we all have a birthday. It's my dad's birthday this weekend, so... (laughs) it has got a birthday on the brain. But yeah, we all have birthdays. Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, never had a birthday. None of them have belly buttons. They were self-existent from eternity to eternity. When God asks, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Christ alone of the angelic host could reply, here I am, send me. He alone had covenanted before the foundation of the world to become a surety for man. He could say, that which not the highest angel could say, I have power over my own life, have the power to lay it down, have the power to take it again. That's from Sister White Manuscripts, page 395. When the voice of the mighty angel was heard at Christ's tomb saying, Thy Father calls thee, the Savior came forth from the grave by the life that was in himself Christ had proclaimed in triumph I am the resurrection and the life these words could only be spoken by the deity all created beings are dependent recipients of the life of God only he who is one with God could say I have the power to lay down my life I have the power to take it again from heaven with love. One of my very favorite chapters in the Bible is the Lord's Shepherd. I just want to make a little side note here. In the book of Revelation, we see Jesus as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Only he is worthy to open that scroll Only he can do that. Only the Lamb of God is worthy. Jesus is the shepherd and the Lamb. How can that make sense? That's such a paradox, an oxymoron. There is no way to connect the two. You can't. Who is only able to do that? Only Jesus. Only Jesus can be both the shepherd and the Lamb. The Lord is My shepherd, as I read through Psalms 23 with you, I want you to think about the good shepherd laying down his life for us. I've never read the Psalms 23 with that in my mind. I've always read it as just a very comforting, loving God cuddling up on the couch or... It was very, very comforting. Just lots of hugs and beautiful music and flowers and beautiful aroma and cute little lambs running around. But when I read Psalms 23 from the viewpoint of Jesus laying down his life for me because he is the Good Shepherd, because Jesus is the Good Shepherd. He is involved in every aspect of my life. He lays down his life for me. He cares for me. He helps the sheep that are having problems having birth to their lambs. He is everything to us. We are completely dependent upon him. I shall not want. What want could I possibly have with someone who has everything and is willing to give me everything that I need now if Jesus gave me everything I want would I ever get enough? (laughs) probably not, not me, I don't think so (laughs) there's always some other little something you know that was pretty cool, I'd like that too (laughs) but my needs Jesus promises my needs and Jesus knows my needs far more than I do. My circumstances right now, I think I have certain needs. But am I always right? No. (laughs) Jesus knows what my needs are far better than even I do. I think I do, but I know I don't. We need to be grateful for what Jesus has given to us and thank him, even if we think that we have something that we need that we can pray for, but we need to also say, thy will be done, because it might not be in God's will that I have whatever it is that I think I want, which, yeah, I want. (laughs) He maketh me to lie down in dried up pastures, crusty old burnt up grass, no, green pastures. He gives me the very best of what he has, he leadeth me beside still waters. Do sheep drink from a brook? No. They won't go near a brook. They're scared. <laughs> they don't like running water. They can to me up their nose. So they only drink from still little pools. The shepherd has to make a little uh, dam or something in a little stream, all still water for the sheep to drink. He cares about my fears. He doesn't want me to be afraid. He says, fear not. For I am with you. He restoreth my soul. He not only wants to restore my soul, he wants to transform my soul, make me a brand new person, a new heart, a new mind, closer, drawn to Jesus always. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake is very interesting to me because who am I created to glorify what is my life's purpose my life's purpose is to glorify God and for his name's sake means that if I'm not following him I'm claiming to be this wonderful Christian but I'm not (laughs) and people know it They're not dumb. They can see all of my faults even though I think I have them pretty well hidden. I don't. Jesus' name can be hurt by Christians who claim to be following him. We need to deliberately choose to ask Jesus to lead us, to help us to know what it is that his will is for our lives and to keep his commandments. Trust and obey. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Right now I'm watching my dad very slowly weaken almost. Daily I see new things in him that tell me he's getting weaker and weaker. It hurts to watch that, but am I there alone? No, Jesus is there with us, all of us. He cares about our feelings and our loss of death. Losing mother was so, so difficult. And I know I would have been a puddle of goo if I didn't have Jesus to lean on and to know it's going to be. It's not okay right now, because it's not, but it's going to be. Okay. I will fear no evil. Nothing Satan can do to me can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. There is nothing that Satan can do to separate me from God's love. Thou for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff they comfort me. I remember when I was in elementary school the principal had a rod, and you got it on the hand if you were bad. With that ruler. Uh, Those were the days when corporal punishment was still, yeah, corporal punishment was still okay. (laughs) And you knew when you were bad that you could have a sore hand going home. And Dad said, if you come home and got a strap at school, you're gonna get one at home too. So we avoided it with all of our power that we had in us. You're not gonna get a strap. Because <laughs> you're going to get it at home too. But the staff and the rod are there to comfort us, not to be punitive, not to tell us "I told you so." You know, Jesus wants to lead us, and he wants us to willingly follow him. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Wow even when my enemies are watching me and they're saying, you know, I saw you do that. You're not as good as you pretend to be. You hypocrite. Even in those situations, Jesus prepares a table for me in the presence of all those accusations, all those things, which may or may not be true, because sometimes they're true, but sometimes we receive awful hurts from, from people And it's not our fault. It's because we're trying to follow Jesus. And he'll prepare that table for us. All of our needs are met in him. Thou anointest my head with oil. Who is anointed in the Bible? Kings. Priests. Were anointed. They were very special, special people who God chose in a very special way to lead out in his community, to bring his church to a knowledge of himself. So when the Bible says that I'm anointed too? Wow! I'm significant to God. God loves us so, so much. My cup runneth over. He fills it up. But it not just top when it gets to the brim. It overflows far more than I need. He is going to be willing to give me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What did Jesus promise us when he went to heaven? That he's going to build us a mansion. I never lived in the mansion. but when I get to heaven, there's going to be a house built just for me by Jesus' own blueprints, just the way I like it, just the way my little old personality is. It's going to fit me like a glove, perfectly. And he's going to live with us forever. No more separation, no more goodbyes, no more pain, no more suffering just always together blows my mind absolutely amazing God calls on us today to follow him he wants us to willingly say yes I will follow in the grand old town of Edinburgh lived a man named John Gray now I don't know if you know many Scotsmen but we Scotsmen have, what's the word, preconceived ideas about what's right, what's wrong and what we saw and what we didn't see and what we know is the truth and we'll stand on that till the heavens fall, by gum, we will. Different ones had different opinions about just what was and who was who and what happened about a little dog named Bobby owned by a man named John Gray. Was he a watchman? Was he a farmer? Was he a shepherd? Different people say all three of them, so we don't really know. The important thing is John had a little dog named Bobby and John loved that little dog, took care of him. Everywhere John went that little dog was sure to go. And this was in the beautiful old city of Edinburgh. One day, John died. Little Bobby was just always there, never far away. Men came and put him in a wooden box, put that box on a cart, pulled the cart to a graveyard, Grey Friars Kirkyard. Kirk is the sc- Scottish word for church. Bobby followed and watched them dig a hole and put that box down in the hole. His John, his man. For 14 years, that little dog slept on that grave every single night. People would feed him, love and care for him, but it didn't matter. At night, he'd scratch away at that door until they opened it and off he'd race to that graveyard. There he slept. In 1872, that little dog died. And the people of that town, the Lord Provost himself of Edinburgh, bought that little dog a license and a collar, made him a proper little dog citizen of that city. The little caller now is in the museum of Edinburgh. Very prestigious. He himself, that little dog, is buried in Greyfriars Kirkyard. Word spread over to England and a a wealthy lady named Lady Burdette Colts travel over to Edinburgh, learn more about the story, and build a beautiful fountain and put a statue, this statue, of Little Bobby above the fountain. And the citizens of Edinburgh bought Little Bobby a headstone to put on his grave very near to the grave of John Gray That little dog loved his human and cared so much. How much do we care about Jesus? John Gray did not die for Bobby. John Gray cared for him, was like a shepherd, but we have Jesus who lived and died for us. How much more devotion should we have to our Jesus who cared so much for us, who wants to have a relationship one-on-one with all of us? I know a lot of us love dogs. I love my little dog. And I know Heidi and Dean have their little brood they love their dogs and i could i'm sure there are many of you could tell me stories about your dogs but you just think about how that little animal adores you how much more should we adore our jesus